Hey guys, welcome back to City Lights Podcast. Um, and as you guys know, if you guys have been listening, we've been going through uh, the sermon series called, or uh, it's titled The Walk. And we basically go through different um, different aspects of the Christian life of walking in, in love, walking in the spirit, walking, um, you know, in joy and, and all these different things. And this week we um, went through walking in faith, walking by faith. And it's one of the most, if not the most important um, topics that we, we're probably going to cover in, the, in this series. And, um, and we had a special guest, Max, come out. Um, so. Hey, how's it going, guys? Um, so today's, basically, today's sermon was walking in faith. And as uh, Victor was just saying, I think that's one of the most fundamental um, aspects of Christianity. And if you want to live a... Um, a Christianity that is filled with freedom, that is filled with literally what God promised um, in terms of walking with freedom, in terms of walking in the Spirit, in terms of the fruits of the Spirit. Um, if you want to understand that, you really first have to understand what it means uh, to walk in faith, and you really need to start practicing that. Um, and that literally unlocks the doors of Christianity, that unlocks the the chains that bind a lot of Christians. Um, and in fact, a lot of times it, it also unlocks those chains that um, Christians almost seem as, as, as take as normal to themselves. And it becomes like a normality in which um, these bondages, they feel like, well, they're not perfect. And um, everybody's probably going through the same thing. Everybody has these types of problems. And so you accept it as sort of this is just what Christianity is. But Christianity consists of this miraculous work and this radical lifestyle of being freed, 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 and freed until you see Christ Jesus himself, you know, and you cast your crown before him and he gives you this new, you know, clothing of purity, this new body. Um, so faith is the groundwork of all of that. Yeah, and, you know, in my life so many times I, I've, I've been brought to a point where I'm just thinking like, okay, I know everything that has to be done, but it's not working out. Um, this must not be for me. It doesn't work for me. I have to go to something else. I, I don't trust that this works. You know, how, what would you say to someone that, that is going through that where they think this is not for me, this doesn't work? So faith always has to be tested mm -hmm. or else it's not true. Um, and, and, and what's being tested, as I kind of talked um, a little bit in my sermon, where faith consists of sort of two things. It's agreeing with something. It's agreeing with, in this case, who God is. It's agreeing with all of God's promises, all of, you know, if you're doing your Bible study in, in Romans, for example, and, and Colossians, Galatians, it's agreeing all of what Christ did on your behalf. But then there's that second, and I think it's honestly the most important element, and it's that disconnect that you're just talking about right now. It's that trust is that next step. It's trusting or relying upon the fact of what you agree now. So you might understand all of the principles by which a Christian should live by, how he should, and you might understand all of what Paul talks about, but that next step is usually like that, that breaking point where a lot of people, they don't see the fruit of, of walking in faith in their lives because they can't uh, trust the very things that they believe in. And so the, the struggle in our life becomes the fact that you get tested in your faith in order to build up the very trust in who God is. And so therefore, when Romans talks about in chapter 5, for example, but when Paul talks about this a few times and he says that, that you're built up from faith to faith so that when, when you're led through a particular trial, 
and, and I like to use the word trial, but that's like that's almost like a big word. It's not actually a big word. You use little, literally any sin in your life, but when you overcome through Christ that particular sin, you now look back with hope. You were tested in that particular faith, and you relied on Christ and Him crucified. He gets you through that particular little sin there, and you move on to the next thing. And, uh, and now you have the hope and you have uh, sort of a vision of what he just did for you, a testimony of what he just did for you. So that makes then the next step a little bit easier because you got something that you just built off of. And so you do that step by step, literally, like throughout the day, you might do that legit like 100 or 200 times. It's not this like, oh, big thing. It's like, oh, from drugs or from alcohol or something. It's every little impurity, every separation between you and God um, it is a trial and a test of faith. Paul says, Runs, run the fight of what? He says, run the fight of faith. You know, and so that is the actual fight. It's not against, um, you know, it's not against people. It's not against um, your own flesh. That's not the fight. The fight is a fight to believe, to trust. Yeah, and, you know, one thing that really stood out to me is you mentioned active faith. How, how what do you, what do you, know, I know you mentioned some, maybe some examples of what is the difference between a faith that is dead and a faith that is active. Yeah, so um, a lot of people kind of know that example that I refer to a lot and, and, you know, those two particular things. And I keep saying that and I'm just going to beat it into our heads and just because it really helped me understand this. But, like, I, you know, I bring up the, the chair example all the time in which you look at that chair and you sort of, you know exactly what that, you know, chair is supposed to do. You understand uh, that it's supposed to support you, and then you take that next step by sitting on it. Now, what you'll notice is a lot of times, actually, go in your life, and, like, you, when you sit on a chair, you didn't even actually think about it. You actually just sat down. In other words, you exercise this faith without even thinking about it, and that's the, that's actually the beauty of the actual Christian walk. It's that the more you exercise faith, the less conscious you become of it. And that's huge because then you exercise faith without having to go wow. through this rigorous process of like, okay, now I got to trust. Now I got to like, is it gonna, is it not? Like, is, is, like is, is Christ enough here? Is it not? You already exercise it so much that you know and you, you take it to the bank every time. And so you exercise this faith continually. Or the, the airplane example where you get on the airplane and you trust, you know, you trust the pilots, you trust everything, you trust the airplane, the control towers, you trust all of that. Um, and, and still, you can trust all of that, and the plane will literally go from, you know, from JFK to L.A., but you're going to be grounded back in that airport until you get onto that, uh, onto that, that plane there. And then once you get on, he'll take you from destination to destination, from faith to faith. And so that is the, the, the struggle as the Christian is to get on that airplane, to sit on that chair. The more you do it, the, the less conscious you become of doing it, and the more it just becomes natural to you. And that's that natural Christian walk. You know, it, it's supposed to be natural. It's not supposed to necessarily be treacherous, miserable, you know, up and down, up and down. Um, and the key element of understanding of what, how faith operates in a Christian's life, how God sends grace through that, um, is huge. Yeah. And, you know, you know, Christianity is not just not sinning, you know. Yeah. It's not that we're trying in every fiber of our being to not sin today, you know. But it's that's the beauty of it is Christianity is is um, practiced or active by faith and faith alone in Christ, you know, to realize that we are nothing. Uh, we can do nothing good. We can't produce our own righteousness. Anything that we do will not add up to anything, you know, it doesn't amount to nothing, but Jesus Christ had to come um, in order for us to, to, to be worthy, to be called worthy, 
you know, that, that we accept Jesus Christ into our life, and now God sees Jesus in us. There's a very interesting thought there because um, there's always this mentality that if I, as a Christian, when I commit certain sins, if I whip myself in the bag hard enough, that shows the seriousness I take that sin. Mm -hmm. If I just try to break myself and break that sin as hard as I can, that shows the, the level of seriousness I, I have in, in dealing with sin versus sometimes it's portrayed as, well, the person that operates in faith that, for example, falls in a particular sin but runs back to God and doesn't whip himself in the back, that doesn't go through these steps one through two and three, that that person is not really like repenting of their sin. That person is not really trying to become more righteous like the, um, like the Pharisees in the corners that would proclaim um, exactly who they were, proclaim mm -hmm. the very actions um, you know, that, that they wanted people to show. But rather, it's that person that submits themselves fully to God. It's that person that, um, in knowing, as you brought up, uh, in knowing that they are like filthy rags and understanding all of that, and still coming to the throne of God boldly. Mm -hmm. Now, that's a little bit interesting there, because you're filthy rags, and somehow you have the courage to come to God boldly. How does that work? That's never worked in the history of mankind until Christ came and crucified himself. And that's a very interesting uh, uh, idea there. And so when you, when you kind of understand that, and the more you read Scripture and understand that, and you start practicing that in your life, and every time you fall, you run then boldly to God. It's not that you sin, take sin lightly. In fact, no, you take sin more seriously now because through that mechanism, God sends grace in your life, and the Holy Spirit then starts changing you more into that new image versus the Pharisee that, saw, that, that stood in that particular corner professing to the to the uh, actions of, of Judaism, to the actions that were, that were told by God to follow, yet he was not changed. And, uh, and that's kind of a huge difference between the two groups of people and, and, and the result that comes from that. Yeah, and I, I think a very sad thing is that, and, and this is totally me, you know, totally in my life where I threw myself a pity party where every time I right. sinned, I was like, man, Mm. I'm I'm just gonna stay away from God. For He doesn't yes. want to see me. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want me to worship. He doesn't want me to pray. Him. You kidding me? Like I, I just messed up. I just fell. How can I go back into into prayer? How can I go back into worship? I gotta restart. I gotta start from the bottom, and then maybe I'll build myself up to be called worthy, and then I can go to prayer. But yeah. the way you're explaining it, and it's the truth, is that we that Jesus knows that God knows that we were not will never be worthy. That is why He had to send down His Son. He literally chooses every time you sin. I know we don't think about it that way, but every time that you sin, God literally chooses not to strike you with lightning and just kill you. Yeah. Every single time you do this. So the pity party that you throw yourself to Tipa get more in line with God and to feel bad and as if that is the start of your um, uh, of your conviction that leads towards repentance, that, that's not at all the mechanism by which Apostle Paul writes and the Holy Spirit writes through him by which a Christian should run back to Christ, by which a Christian is sanctified. That's not the mechanism at all. The person is to run to God. Yes, it is uncomfortable. It is very uncomfortable. And that's the whole point of it as well, is that when you fall and you're literally feeling like Adam and Eve in the garden completely naked, when you fall, you run back to God, you feel the most vulnerable you've ever felt. You feel unworthy. You feel all of that. You feel like you're the wretched man that I am, as Apostle Paul says. You feel that, but then you say, but I thank God. I thank the grace that he sends. Amen. And that is the difference in the Christian life, and that is where the victory comes in, is in that particular step. 
you're now trusting the very words that you were raised to believe. And that's that connection, again, between that agreeing what the Bible tells you and between now trusting or relying upon what you now agree. And that is the, the key to unlocking that radical Christianity. It's a, that's all it is. It's that radical. It's not radical in the sense of crazy miracles and left and right. The greatest miracle that a human can literally find themselves in is to be saved by the blood of Jesus and to walk in the newness of life. And the side effect and the, the nice result of that is we get to be with heaven at the end. But that is heaven is not the point because heaven should be already in us. We are supposed to have God back inside of us and he's supposed to use us in this time that we have on earth to get other people to go through the same thing you mm -hmm. just went through so you can gain more followers so that when you do get to heaven, there's more of you there. And now you're united in that original purpose that God had for all of us. Yeah, and, and what's crazy to me, I, th I think about back in the Old Testament where the priests had, you know, they tied bells to their feet because if once they were in the, in the presence of God, if, if they were unworthy, struck down dead, as you were saying, you know, God has the right to do that every single time we sin. And, um, you know, th those bells, you know, they, they would hear, stop, hear them stop moving and they'd pull them back in or pull them out after, you know. And, um, and it's just amazing that we're able to be called worthy, that we don't have to go through that and that we're able to, um, you know, every time we sin, every time we fall, we're able to stand up and say, you know, run back to God every single time. And this is a song by Cody Carnes, I run to the Father again yeah. and again. Yep, and that's the, uh, that's the very basic of Christianity. And from there, God builds brick on brick. You don't leave from the, the fight of faith. You don't leave from, from fighting faith to faith. You are sanctified in that manner. In, in, in Colossians and in Galatians, Paul writes about this all the time. It's the, the same way that you started. You keep going. You keep going. They, and that's the greatness of Christianity is in the simplicity of it. You are, in Philippians, you're slowly but surely transformed into his image. Day by day, literally hour by hour. Yeah. Um, and the most sanctified Christian is the one that runs to him more and more and more and practices that and he becomes less of himself and he becomes more of god yeah and, and that's amazing is, is the, the closer we get to god the more we know him the easier it is to run the more intimate we we, we are with him you know and and you know that's how our faith builds is, is, is with the time that we spend with him in our in our secret closet you know reading and, and learning more about him and I, and I don't mean to go off in a rant extend our time but um there is a, 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 a sermon that I was listening to by Major Ian Thomas, and he gave such a great example. Um, he said, you know, he, he's going on a, on a trip away from his wife because, you know, he, as often as he does because he's a preacher. Yes. And um, I'm, I'm sure you know. And, um, you know, most people would look at that and be like, you know, you're leaving your, life for, your wife for six months. How can you trust, trust um, your wife, you know, to be alone? How can you do that? And, you know, for him, it would be such an insult because you don't know my wife. You don't know how faithful she is. You don't know that, that she's going to stick with me everywhere I go. And the same with God, with God. Once we get to know God, once we know him more, then we can see that it is not, like, that's why the Bible says it's faith of mustard seed. It is not how much faith that we have. We can have so much faith in, in that piano over there to save us. But is that it's God is so good. It's God is so big that mm. we have faith in God because He's so great. And that's why you never congratulate a man on his faith. Amen. You can look at, um, you know, you can look at a car, and faith operates as a as 
for, for the boys, they know faith operates as a clutch. It takes the power from the engine and translates, translates it into the transmission yeah. to get the power into the wheel so that the wheels can actually perform. And so you never, if you have like a, you know, if you have a nice Lamborghini and like all your friends are around it, no one's ever going to say, man, like as you rev it, like what a great clutch you got. No, yeah. they're going to be like, what a great engine you have in there. I mean, what a great God, what a great faith. It would be very stupid to say what a great faith you have because it's, as you were saying, it's not in the faith. It's not an, a matter of amount of faith. It's not. It's the God that you place the faith in. The object of your faith must be God and what he did uh, through his Amen. son on the cross. And that is the beauty of Christianity. Amen. Praise God. Um, we'll see you next time with the, the next, um, next uh, part of the series. And until then, God bless you guys.